Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here. As always, back for Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 4 in the third round of the FA Cup. I should say the Young Lions lost more than anything, but oddly enough, we're very proud. Usually we'd come on here after a loss, probably ranting and raving about a lot of things, but it's going to be a lot more positive vibes today, so hopefully everyone enjoys. But of course, I have my always man here, Danny Raza. How you doing? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. I haven't felt so good after a football match since, funnily enough, the 7-2 win over Liverpool. So, uh, yeah, no, just it was a really weird experience. I think I texted you, Cole, the other day saying, are we going to have a podcast this weekend? Because the COVID outbreak obviously has put everybody into kind of, well, in this weird situation where we don't know how much football is going to be played. We still don't know what games are going to go ahead and what aren't. But magnificently, somehow or another, Villa decided we're going to play this FA Cup game much to the to the um, frustration by the looks of it to, of Jurgen Klopp at the start of that game, but yeah, no, good to see, good to see us turning up. Yeah, hundred percent. I I mean, like, I felt like a bit of an idiot because I recorded the preview show with the Liverpool fan on Wednesday, put it up for like Thursday morning for like seven a.m. UK time, and then I think the news came out a few hours later. So I just felt like an absolute idiot just spending like an hour recording and editing this. And it wasn't really that relevant anymore because half the time was talking about Jack Grealish and our first team. But regardless, hopefully everyone enjoyed that did listen. Of course, though, we do have the return of the former leader of this podcast. He's smiling at us right now. He's been smiling for the last like minute or so. I can tell how excited he is just to be back here. It's James Rustin. James, how you doing? I'm really good. Like Danny said, firstly, it's a pleasure to be back. Like... Uh, it's been a while. I think it was this time last year. I was last time, and that was literally when I started my uh, my new job. So yeah, it's, it's fantastic to come back. But yeah, I've never felt, as Danny said, I've never felt so good after a after a Villa loss, a four one Villa loss. It doesn't seem that way, does it, Cole? No, not at all. I mean, it's been a year since you ditched us. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> no, it's always good to have you back. It's definitely been long overdue, and we'll have to get you back on a little bit more frequently, of course, because. To be honest, I just miss someone else being able to make fun of Danny as much as I can because I'm an awkward person. I can't do it naturally. <laughs> the only thing I brought up in the last year to kind of diss him was the Wesley thing and his love for him. And that just isn't that relevant anymore since he's been injured for so long. But nonetheless, hopefully we can have a few kind jabs at him that can send Danny happily into the rest of his weekend. But nonetheless, let's get on to the game, guys. I mean, there's zero expectation going into this, of course. It's a mixture of Villa under-23s and U18s. A lot of these guys haven't played for ages by now. Some of them rarely have played together, if not have never played together with a mix of age groups, like I think Louis Berry said in his interview. So a lot of things not going Villa's way, of course, in that terms. But I, I think the one thing that we can kind of count on, Danny, and I'll come to you first, is the fact that the thing I'm most proud of is the Villa community coming together and just supporting these guys. Of course, you're going to have the odd person that's going to be negative regardless, 
Um, and I won't really want to comment on that, but it's just nice to see the whole community come together and really get behind these guys or kids, I should say. I don't think there was any negativity, really. I think, I think, funnily enough, it was, um, it, it was, it was great, really. I think, I think everybody just rallied behind it because it was exciting. It was exciting for everybody because we didn't think we were going to have a football match. Well, I think a lot of us didn't think we were going to have a football match. And, um, you know, I think there's always these calls on Twitter and, you know, from people as well. You see them saying, give Louis Barry a game. Like, you know, give one of these youngsters a game. I want to see, um, I don't know, Christine in a, in a football match. I want to see Mungo Bridge play, you know, professional. But like, we got to see that, right? We got to see that. We got to see the Villa Academy. We got to see them line up against the best team in England. And you can't buy that. That is not an experience that you will ever see apart from in this kind of a crisis situation. And as I say, it was just exciting for everybody because it was like turning out to see a team of 11 new signings. That's what it was like. You get excited when, when somebody makes their debut for Villa in January or in the summer. And, and we got to see 11 new signings basically play for Villa. And I just thought it was fantastic. Well, I, I think the thing that kind of screamed to me, Danny, was that usually during a Villa game, I'll get one comment from you or you'll get one comment from me where it's a little bit negative on just something really tedious that we probably don't need to be negative about the only things we really said is how like fantastic it was to watch and i mean i've never seen you so excited verbally over uh, a villa goal in my opinion like the all caps thing really did it for me but of course let's go to james next yeah exactly (laughs) we'll go to james next of course i mean it's like, like I said, James, there's zero expectation on this. I think a lot of people are looking at it, and I did speak to some Liverpool fans before where they're kind of saying, like, we're going to batter you. It's it's karma. I don't really understand that because given the circumstances of, well, them choosing to field a youth team last year versus us being forced to, but it's just brilliant to see these young guys out there, isn't it? Yeah, and like you said, you mentioned correctly at the start of the podcast, it was it wasn't even the full strength under 23s because you, you, you didn't have the Ramsey brothers. You didn't have uh, Phil Jean Bidach. You didn't have Carney Chukwameka. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing uh, most of those names wrong anyway. But, you know, people will, will be reflecting on these. You know, you haven't even seen our best. You saw Louis Barry, you saw Don Revan, and you saw uh, Kessler Hayden. But did you see the Ramsey brothers? Did you see this? We've got so much more to give from our academy. And that's what the scary thing. If we, we could have fielded a uh, full strength academy side i'm not saying we'd have, we'd have got the win but we scared liverpool for about 50 60 minutes of that game and we shouldn't have even done so if we had our academy side we could have done a little little bit more maybe pushed it right to the right to the wire but scoreline doesn't reflect how incredible that performance was from you know a beleaguered academy side an academy side that had four weeks off literally parachuted in to play this match uh, because of Villa's, of course, uh, unfortunate COVID outbreak. So absolutely fascinating how they've turned it around. They didn't even have that much training for it or pre-match analysis and they were fielded against, you know, look, Liverpool did rotate. They had a second-choice goalkeeper who, who played in a that infamous fixture last year against us when uh, Liverpool, their first team was halfway across the world. So incredible turnaround. Some world-class players they come, against, come up against in the put him in their back pocket and gave him a right scare for that Louis Barry goal. So absolutely fantastic. And I know the score lines there to be mocked in by people who didn't watch the game, but that is, it's no reflection on, on the actual, on the actual match. You know what's funny as well, right? Even with that score line. Yeah. That doesn't avenge a seven, two. That doesn't avenge a seven, two. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't avenge a five nil uh, defeat that we gave them with, with effectively our B team last year, even if it was their Academy. Yeah. But you know, the four, one, yeah, it's nothing, is it? 
Is it a bit no. embarrassing for the Liverpool perspective, do you think, though? Like, either one of you can answer this. Feel free to chime in. But I feel like it's almost a bit embarrassing that th- most of this team lost Sunderland 8-1. Liverpool only mm-hmm. beat them 4-1. You still have Salah, Mane on there, Wijnaldum. Uh, I think Firmino came on later. There's a bunch of names in there for sure. It definitely was a very senior squad for the majority. I think Henderson was in there as well. And they're only coming away 4-1. I know they've still won, so fair enough. But to be fair, they didn't look all that comfortable and probably till the 65th, 70th minute when these youngsters are absolutely gassed. They were getting frustrated. I think, um, I don't, first of all, let me just start by saying it's not an embarrassment. Right, it's not an embarrassment mm. because because they still won. They won four one. They won. They won comfortably. They were, you know, they 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 were all over us in the stats, of course. But I think it, it's just credit to Villa and, and the attitude that those that those boys show. They ne- they never they never looked like they were starstruck. They never looked like they were ever kind of you know giving Liverpool too much respect or whatever. But um, I think you know Salah and Mane probably walked into that match thinking, right, this is a good game to pad our stats, and they couldn't. Right, eventually. That eventually what ended up happening was the, the reason why Liverpool scored so many goals was Thiago comes on one of the best passes in the world they had to they had to rely on somebody to do defense splitting passes essentially <laughs> to score against Villa that's that's what it was hmm. it wasn't it wasn't attrition it w- there were defense splitting moments of world class football from somebody like Thiago Alcantara just being hoofed into the box and I, and I think eventually it was overpowered but I don't think the, I don't think it's an embarrassment um, but Jurgen Klopp certainly wouldn't have been happy James I don't know no, um, I think from the Liverpool perspective, because I, I work, my boss is a Liverpool fan and wrote about Liverpool for a while, so I can always get like the expert verdict. And he was saying after the match, you know, not embarrassing, it's just frustrating because that against the side they're playing, that 4 1, that should have been the half time scoreline. And look, the scoreline is comfortable in the end, but Liverpool had to really fight for that and had to take a lot of chances to get to that 4 1. And yeah, they, Villa got battered in the spell of three four minutes when all those goals rattled in and they could have had one more because I think Thiago hit the crossbar as well, whatever. But yeah, Villa made them work for it, work really hard and that should have never been the case. Liverpool were always going to put that team out no matter who they were playing against because they needed a win. They haven't had a really comfortable festive period by that uh, big win over Crystal Palace. But, you know, they needed that win to kind of put things right, get the confidence flowing again, get a win under a professional competitive win under their belt. They got it in the end, but there's questions. If I was the Liverpool fan, there'd be questions about why it was so difficult to break down a team of children, like genuine, no first team experience in that in that side bar a few training sessions. You know, that, there was no game plan from Villa bar what they'd learned. It was just structured defensive football. All they could do was react to everything the world's best players could do. And they dealt with it for 60 minutes. You know, if they were had the physicality of some of the juniors in the Liverpool team who have first team experience who have got that fitness under their belts like uh, the two Williams Kelleher who, who have been involved competitively I, I can't see why we couldn't have taken it further but we didn't have that chance and we gave them a real real run for their money I just offer something to you Cole by the way yeah yeah. just on that yeah did you you, you know about, about, about Villa's game plan did you, did you not find it interesting that Liverpool just basically played a high line I wonder if, you know, the way this academy plays, it, it looked as though they played exactly the same kind of football that the first team did. You know, they were always trying mm. to play it out the back. They were, you know, there was, there was, ne- there, there was a few times where they got desperate and they had to hoof it out. Of course there was. Yeah. But a lot of the time, their first thought was, let me play it out the back. And the one time Villa did score, it was through exploiting that high line. It's exactly what happened with the first team. I wonder, I wonder if that's a factor in why Liverpool struggled so much. Well, 
I, I, speaking to the tactics, I think that's kind of more of a philosophical thing throughout the club. I'm not going to say it is, but I, I think you kind of want to play the same brand of football throughout the whole academy, eventually preparing them for the first team, the way everything's set up right now. At least mm-hmm. that's how I would kind of imagine it being. But no, I, I think that kind of speaks to the wider thing. Liverpool are definitely looking at kind of imposing staying in the offensive zone, not really expecting much. And it's fair to say that even if I was going in there or any of us were going in there, you'd probably figure, okay, we're going to dominate possession. Liverpool had what 83% uh, possession compared to Villa 17. They were always going to have that. It was always going to be a kind of a feeling out thing for the first 10, 15, even 20 minutes of the match to see, okay, what are these youngsters going to do? There's probably going to be a goal leaked in there in the first 20 minutes. There was in the fourth minute through Mane. And then kind of through there, it was a feeling out period. But it, as soon as they, it just seemed to switch at probably say after the 20th minute, a lot more comfortable. They were able to kind of move passes, one touch passing, a lot more kind of movement, especially moving out wide and spreading that Liverpool midfield a little bit more. And I mean, to be fair, you had a very young Center, uh, center back pairing defensive pairing really uh, for Liverpool so you can kind of exploit that and I mean what better way to do that than an excellent ball to Louis Berry to absolutely I mean I don't think I don't know do I call and it's weird I said this to Danny before the podcast even started I don't think I can say Barry. I just have to say Louis Berry it just doesn't sound natural <laughs> I don't know why he's just one of those people that I have to say it for but regardless I, I don't think James you could have put that ball any more perfect into that net I mean the, the goalkeeper's never going to get to that is he no and that's you know I think that's Reese Williams that he's playing against if we if it was switch sides and he had Fabinho on him it might be a different story because you you know it's Fabinho let's be honest against Louis Barry but Louis Barry even against Reese Williams who Twice the size of him, maybe not a massive amount of first team experience, but the physicality is there to play for 90 minutes at centre back for, for the the world's best team. Louis Barry done him over and it was embarrassing like to see. Like Louis Barry should not be even getting anywhere near it. I know you have to you're talking about a red card if you chop him down, but I just don't understand why why Louis Barry's got past him so easily. The guy's a child and he's a good like he's come from Barcelona, he's the highest rated academy graduate at a good academy in West Brom, and now he's you know the shining gem of our academy. But that shouldn't be happening. Never, not in a million years. And it is uh, I guess that high line being exposed, but Liverpool had to do what they had to do, play that high line, keep the ball in in our final in our defensive third and uh, take advantage but the, the downside of that is you've got a really sprightly guy in Louis Barry who's going to run off the back of the shoulder and hold off a challenge from a guy twice as tall as him um, Danny it was it was a, I've never celebrated a goal as uh, as hard as that and uh, he deserved every second it's the magic of the cup isn't it yeah, massively. I, I mean, like if I go through the stats right now, you're looking at what they had 29 shot attempts to our two. We had one shot on target. They had 13. They had 18 corners to our two. Um, they had seven fouls to our two. So actually kind of deceives there a little bit in terms of they actually had to make a few kind of, or I guess I should say eliminate a few opportunities illegally to actually stop us, which is actually a bit of a positive thing, of course, regardless. Mm-hmm. I, I just think overall, this is an event, a fantastic experience for these young guys. I mean, Danny, realistically, the sad thing is most of these players won't make it through to the first team. Most of them may not even make it in the Premier League or the championship. And unfortunately, there might be the odd few that just don't even make it from here on out. But kind of speaking from the mindset of, I guess what it may mean to these guys, 
what do you think this does for, I guess, maybe the rest of their lives? Is this a memory you think they'll never forget? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at it, you know, for, for a lot of them, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it sounds almost quite harsh to say that because, I mean, I'd say that a lot of them will get loan inquiries now. A lot of them are, you know, going to go out there and make it in, in professional football. I'd say, you know, most of them will probably make it in professional football. You'd like to think so anyway, right? Um, the way that the recruitment has been done anyway with the club is that they're getting the best youngsters, the best really young ones. You're talking about 17, 18 year olds, sometimes 16 year olds playing for the under 23s rather than 22 year olds, 21 year olds. Right. Um, which is, you know, a lot of these guys, they're very, very young and they've recently, recently been brought into the system. You look at guys like Dominic Revan, you look at guys like Callum Rowe, who probably haven't, you know, they haven't broken through as much as they would have liked after a game like that putting on the kind of performances they did, you might see the likes of them now start to sort of get picked by Dean Smith every now and then if there's a if there's a situation going on. If Matty Target and Neil Taylor are injured, I'd be happy with Callum Rowe playing. You know, you don't you don't you wouldn't put a right back there instead. Uh, you look at Dominic Revan. Um if Engels is as injured as he is, if you have a situation where say Mings is suspended and Cons is injured, if Revan plays with house, so be it. Fair play. And I think for a lot of the young players, though, this is, a, this is the kind of experience which you cannot buy. As I said earlier, you can't buy that. There is never a situation where the best team in the world will say, OK, we'll play your academy side at full strength in a competitive game. It, it's not going to happen. Right. So for them to have that, they've already got better work experience than most youngsters their age. And yeah, no, look, I just think that the kind of performances they put on Brad Young, did a flipping pirouette in his own box. He's going to get noticed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, Mo Silla was just out there deciding to, to chop anybody that he could, right? Physically looking brilliant. Um, as I say, Callum Rowe making himself look like a, look like Roberto Carlos with a split through pass to Louis Barry. A lot of great performances in there. And I just I just think that for a lot of them, opportunities will show up because this is, this is where it matters. You know, you've got to show up in the competitive games. You've got to do it. Yeah, and I, mean, I think an interesting stat that I kind of, uh, well, I, I tweeted it out on the 7,500 Holt account earlier. Uh, Dominic Revan was only, I think, just over one years old when James Milner made his debut for Leeds on November 10th, 2002. Um, he was born in the year, I think, was it September 2000? So pretty interesting, James, to see, I mean, Villa's past and Villa's future kind of share the pitch. I mean... In your mind, did you kind of make anything of that? Was it kind of a cool moment for you? I mean, for me, even looking at that photo of those two together, it's so surreal to kind of see just, it's almost like history colliding in a sense. Yeah, I think, you know, the day after you settle down a bit and the kind of the hype, it always, with every kind of event in your life, the hype always kind of dies down a little bit. Obviously still excited, but as you mentioned, the reality is the economics of the whole thing in terms of, players available and spaces in the squad not many of those players are probably going to break through and be consistently involved with the Villa team and especially if you were to look at even uh, in recent years even though the academy focus has changed you, you know you didn't see and I'm, I mean the talent level is different isn't it but you didn't see Nathan D'Alfonso and Gary Garner get involved that much did you and then years go by and even Daniel Johnson uh, Callum Robinson, you see people fade away. And I know we're talking about different levels of potential here. And for me, this looks like to be a academy team of great potential, even down to the likes of uh, Dominic Revan, who've been involved for a few years. People are, are, seem to be really kicking on. Um, the best I can hope for is that every single member of that playing squad 
is able to forge some kind of professional career because that has been one of the biggest benefits of being involved with Villa's academy. Even if you are a Nathan D'Alfonso, you can't break through to Aston Villa. You're still earning a living playing football. And I really hope that yeah, that seems to like, should be the case for every single member of that squad. And I know that's a really low bar to set, but you know, you, you hear so many stories of how many people, how many talented people pass through these academy systems, even at the locks of Man United, and they never break through and they never get the career they wanted in football, even if it's at League Two, League One level. So I really hope, you know, that is careers for all of these lads in football and they can do, even if it's not at Premier League, even if it's not a championship, but they can do what they want for the rest of their, you know, for the playing time of their lives, then think about what after. But that's that's way down in, in the line. But, you know, for the likes of Louis Barry, Mungo Bridge, Dom Revan, Chris Sene, Bogard, there has to be a focus on getting these lads through to the first team in, in you know, four or five years. They've got to be breaking through and, they're, you know, they're, they're making real names for themselves at really young ages. Chris Sene's only just turned, I think, 17. Sales Finkels, I think, is still 16. So people are really breaking through and making names for themselves and put their best foot forward against the best side in the world. And I can't speak highly enough of that. Yeah, 100%. Well, like, Go ahead, Sorry, Eddie. Cole. Yeah, okay. I was just, I was just saying, uh, you, know, give, you know, give your opinion, Cole, man. Like, you know, uh, last few years, you look at it and you think, what situation has there been for a young player to come and, um, you know, give it, get a real go in the team? Keenan Davis got a real go. You'd, you'd say that, you know, he maybe hasn't took his chance, but he's looked good. And, you know, I'd, I'd still like to think that Keenan Davis goes on and does well somewhere because he's got a lot of attributes. But um, Villa have been in panic mode, haven't they, for the last 10 years? I mean, it's, di- it's different now with Dean Smith here, but they've been in panic mode where it's been like, right, if we don't, if we don't have all these experienced players, we're going to get relegated. If we if we start playing young players, we're never going to get promoted. This we, 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 We've been constantly on this like high-pressure point. Mm. Whereas now we're in the Premier League and we're safe. We're not, you know, challenging for the Champions League. You know, we're, we're not Champions League. I mean, we might be, might be challenging for Europa League place, but is it vital that the club qualifies? No, right? Isn't now, basically, the conditions are ripe for Villa to kind of say, okay, let's start blending some of this youth in. Cole, what situation do you, do you foresee where Villa are going to basically, let's say Neil Taylor's on his way out. I, I hate to pick on him. I'm not picking on him. A lot of people seem to think that maybe he's not the right standard. What, what situation do you think there is now where, where Villa don't go out and spend 20 million on a new left back and instead play a Callum Rowe? Like that's, 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 where, that's where I'm at at the moment. How do you bring these guys into the team? I think it's well I think we do obviously have the perfect man in Dean Smith to embed some of these and you can tell he's totally comfortable doing so of course we see Ramsey already coming through and it's exciting to see that and you see him making cameos and to be honest I can't really remember the last time at least in my time of supporting Villa which is definitely shorter than you guys but I I always cast my mind back just kind of going off topic a little bit to the relegation season. And I think definitely near the end, um, a lot of people were just saying, play the youth, like basically let us be a little bit more excited about something. At least don't play these players. We've just completely given up on. And we saw that a little bit. Um, I think with, I think Jordan lied in a little bit and I can't remember the, maybe one or two others at that point. But you just knew a lot of these players never really had a futures and in terms of youngsters. And it was kind of always evident that we couldn't do that because we didn't really have arguably the setup and kind of barring Jack Grealish, the talent in terms of youth to kind of offset some of that and make it a little bit more exciting. And we saw that when we went down, we didn't really have a lot of options in the youth team to pick from and say, you know what, you can make the step up. 
kind of going to it now with all the investment and looking at where Villa bring in talent from other sides and picking those top prospects. And I think it's just a complete different mentality. And at some point this always had to happen. Villa had to become a club that can properly develop youth. And you know what, if they don't work for us, they can work for someone else and we can make profit there. Sustainability had to come in eventually because we saw what happened when we weren't sustainable and it wasn't very fun. And it's nice to see just kind of on an overall basis, the clubs going in the right way that we need to be going in. And you see a lot of clubs kind of shifting to this because unfortunately we're not Manchester city. We're not Liverpool. We're not Barcelona. We're not Real Madrid. We, we do have very wealthy owners, but to match those it's, it's just unrealistic. And at some point you have to kind of bleed in and embed your youth team. And you know what? Some of these players, I can see the next year or two. Some, unfortunately, just won't make it. it. It's kind of the fact of the whole basis, any sport. It just, it, it's how it goes. But James, I, I want to come to you next because I, I think it, it's interesting to talk about the youth and all this kind of stuff. But I think the thing we didn't really talk about today and we touch, I touched on it at the very start was, of course, the first team didn't play because it was confirmed that 10 players have COVID. And f- I think there's four staff members as well. I'm not looking at you to be the inside man or anything like that, but in the terms of, I guess, kind of going forward with the next few weeks, what are your thoughts on how Villa kind of manage this? Yeah, I think obviously, I think every Villa fan and everyone kind of reporting on the club would hope for the best case scenario with this size of COVID outbreak. I know it's been mentioned uh, against the likes of kind of Newcastle, Fulham and Man City is perhaps the biggest first team outbreak that there's been in the Premier League so far, whether that's precisely true, I don't know. And it's not obviously worth speculating about these type of things, but I just hope that everyone infected um, or has, who has tested positive uh, returns well, and even those who have shown you know, no symptoms and are asymptomatic, I hope they don't develop any long-term impacts of their fitness uh, on their fitness because, you know, the, the bottom line is Villa have been riding high this year, and it, this is obviously a massive blow. And I can't, I really can't see that Spurs match going ahead due to the the, the nature of it and the, how there's allowances from the Premier in the Premier League schedule to to postpone games and move them along. Where the, there's not that that room in the FA Cup third round, the FA to have different rules to the Premier League. So I, I do think the best thing would be to postpone it, despite how well our, our under 18s and a few under 23s performed um yesterday but i can't see it going ahead and again i really hope every villa player infected comes back you know fit fighting ready to go and completely healthy with no long-term impacts because regardless of if you have um an infection it's asymptomatic i believe there can be an impact on fitness um there can be an impact on, on other areas of your body I'm, I'm no doctor here it's only what I've read from reports and trying to find out stuff on the matter myself, but you know, with a, a minority of athletes, there can be a medium-term impact on, on your on your fitness, and you've seen that in, in a few players that I can't name here from Newcastle who who haven't returned to first team action. So um, hopefully that Villa have a I don't know how positive it can be a COVID outbreak, but I uh, hope that, that there's no lasting impact uh, on the players and the staff and you know their families and their own bubble so fingers crossed for that yeah 100 i mean i i think the thing too is that like we still don't know a crazy amount of about the virus in terms of long-term impact like you don't know what's going to happen in 30 40 years maybe this is the cause of something you never know you might be asymptomatic now but 
I think that's the unfortunate thing. And the thing I've liked is, especially when you look on social media, which unfortunately football Twitter can be one of the most negative things out there. The thing I like to see is people were very encouraging, encouraging, I should say, and supportive. Um, of course, like I said before, you're always going to have the one or two complaining, wanting to know who it was, who screwed up, yada, yada. It didn't have to be anyone screwing up. Let's put that out there right now. It, unfortunately, it's airborne virus that it's no one's, I guess, avoidable from it. it it's just one of those things where it happens. It's fortunate it happened to us. It's going to unfortunately probably happen to other teams as well. We've seen, of course, it happened to Newcastle. That game got delayed. We've seen it happen to Manchester City. It's until vaccines are fully available for everyone. It's going to be part of life. But Danny, I want to come to you before we do uh, match balls and read out some Twitter comments. Of course, what are your thoughts on all this? I mean, we can probably expect games to be delayed, but just kind of give me your thoughts on the whole entire matter. Well, on the COVID matter. Yeah. Um, it's been difficult. I mean, thoughts wise, I think, I think, look, you know, I think as a fan and as a human being, just, um, you know, I hope that everybody recovers soon enough and, and I hope that nobody has any sort of lasting um, impacts. And I think, I think just for the, I think it's almost, it's almost difficult to just kind of talk about football when it comes to something like this. I think it's, it's a case of, you know, let's all just kind of hope and support each other through it um, and, and kind of hope that the vaccine rolls out quick enough. Um you know, in the, in the, in the next couple of months and, and, and that we do kind of see a return to normality. I think for the time being though, football for, for many of us, and I think many of us as football fans has served as this amazing thing for our mental health. The fact that it's been kept going. And I think for a lot of people, it gives people a purpose to kind of um, enjoy things. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, why Villa fans were so excited and so um, happy to watch the young, the young lads play yesterday. Look, if Villa have to field an academy team, for, for the next few fixtures or whatever the, for the Premier League, I'll be more than happy. But whatever it takes for uh, for everybody to kind of rest up, get better, and whatever it takes to keep everybody safe, um, I think just trust the authorities' judgment on it for now. Yeah, no, that's more than fair. Okay, guys, we're running out of time, of course. So I'm just going to speed through uh, these Twitter comments. Of course, as always, you can tweet us at 7500Holt uh, for your post-match thoughts. I think there's about 20 or so of you that have gone involved, so it's always appreciated. Uh, we'll go to David Lewis first saying, no one will talk about Liverpool uh, using 11 first-team players to beat a team of 18-year-olds. We'll talk about the first hour where we held them one all. Incredible performance. Uh, going to... Let's see here. Jonathan Fairless saying uh, to think we beat LFC first team 7-2 and they only managed to beat our depleted U23s and I should say U18s 4-1. That says something. Lads did so well, especially the last 15-20 minutes when they must have been knackered. Great goal by Barry. No chance for any of the goals um, by Anodi. I probably just butchered that but regardless and the thing i liked about it in the second tweet in brackets he put my 10 year old boy now wants louis barry on the back of his villa top i think that's very cool um, and definitely worth mentioning that definitely means something to these youngsters as well um, and because we're running out of time i'll give it to tom jones who says incredible performance and result most of our experienced u23s were missing let alone the first team or reserves a lot of u18s on the pitch some hadn't played for two months none had played a senior football game before we should be be unbelievably proud. Thank you. Well, thank you, of course, for getting involved. Of course, tweet us at 7500 to Holt. As always, Danny, could I get your match ball, please? 
Yeah, certainly. I think I think um, it's almost unfair to just kind of launch straight into this. I think just a couple of players that really impressed me. I think I think Bridge and Revan, both of them looking like they're going to be um, top quality centre halves. Yeah, you know they've got a lot of learning to do in terms of losing losing who they're marking and everything. But um, you know that that'll get better with time. Revan, hopefully soon enough. Callum Rowe as well. I think he had a fantastic game. Walker did well. Reminds me of a young Luke Young, actually. Uh, funnily enough, um, I think as well. Really impressed with Silla's physicality in midfield. Looks like he's going to be a heck of a player. Um, and also one that went unnoticed was Reiki, who, for me, spraying the ball about. and Looks like he has a really good pass on him. Um, also, again, physically, looks like looks like he might be ready in the next few years. So um, Reiki, I think, had a very good game. But yeah, it's got to be Louis Barry for me because end of the day, uh, you know, he showed composure against Liverpool when a lot of people, you know, a lot of young strikers would have just lost it, right? I wonder if it helped that there was no fans in attendance. Maybe it eased the nerves a little bit. But um, yeah, that, that composed Michael Owen-esque finish. You know, Jamie Vardy and Ollie Watkins-esque uh, performance from him as well in terms of the way he was running and and just offering um, so many avenues for the midfielders to to, to pass it into him. Uh, just a very mature performance and one that, one that looks ready to be playing professional football. 100%. Uh, James, how about you? Yeah, I think he could give it to Akash Anodi in goal, who came up with some big saves. Uh, Brad Young for pulling off a roulette in his own box on the 81st minute with Liverpool pressing the hell out of him. You know, um, there could, there's so many names. Louis Barry, Mungo Bridge, Dominic Revan, Callum Rowe, even the people who come in on substitutes, Sills Finkles, really hard to get that out of your mouth. Uh, it's a funny name as well. Um, they all kind of made an impact in some way. Um, but I'm going to have to give it to Kane Kessler-Hayden because... The way he plays on the wing, and even as he's played in the, as a fullback in in some under twenty three games, it's like he knows what the first team template is for a fullback. It's like he knows what Matty Cash is doing and what Matt Target's doing, and even before them, what Freddie Gilbert was doing. You know that the, the players that have, that he should have eventually succeed in that role, and he looks like he's he, he should be destined for the first team, and it's probably one of the most realistic picks out of that lineup who could who could make a breakthrough as soon as this year if um if there's holes that need to be filling in that first team. So I'm gonna have to give it to Kane Kessel Hayden. Um, first team debut. I think I saw in a number of places he was actually the man of the match as well, which is just so impressive for someone who you know shouldn't have even been involved on the day. Fantastic from him. Yeah, exactly. Um, as the Holt cast main host and producer i'm gonna give it to the whole team i just think a very valiant effort you have to be very proud of these kids and young men i should say um i can't really say much more than that uh not just because of running out of time but just proud is the best word to say with these guys and hopefully they fulfill careers that are long lasting and successful but anyways let's wrap it up there guys thank you very much to danny and to james for joining me if you want to find danny on twitter it's at raza if you want to find james on twitter it's at jmo rushton if you want to find me cole Petum, on twitter it's at talk aston villa of course you can tweet us at 7500 holt email the podcast holtcast at gmail.com we'll wrap it up there hopefully some positive news in terms of covid and all this craziness soon with the first team but nonetheless the villa
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.